Welcome to episode 143 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic, and I want to talk about satellite. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Sat IoT? Satellite? <laughs> I don't know. Satellite. Yeah, so they announced the launch of their first satellite to support 5, 5G narrowband IoT use cases. And SDX Central did a pretty cool article on this. So they're based in Spain. Uh, their plans are to eventually have 250 birds in orbit to support narrowband IoT connections. What's cool is it was launched with the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket that was launched from Vandenberg, US Space Force Base in California. What's really cool, because I haven't really dug into kind of the dimensions of these LEO satellites. Uh, it's a 22 pound satellite that will be able to provide 5G coverage across more than 800,000 square miles. For you tech nerds, it basically supports connections using 3GPP's release 17 non-terrestrial network NTN specification. And I know Anshul, you've talked about that in the past. So what I really like about what they're doing, it's been delayed but they're focused on IoT connectivity. And LEO, ba based on the fact that it's closer to Earth, should provide much better latency to support those sorts of use cases. So what do you think? I think it's already a use case I think a lot of people are already preparing for when it comes yeah. to 5G. So I don't really think it's necessarily particularly novel. Mm -hmm. I do think it's novel that they are explicitly going for iot as application right i also think that latency might not necessarily be a key factor in a lot of iot applications however maybe they're trying to position themselves for a type of network where latency is addressed for iot applications because i'm sure iot when it's stationary and iot when it's moving are two very different things and i think that might be their play but We'll see what happens, but it's fairly slim network slice. It's, what is it, 5 megahertz? But it's going to be limited, obviously. But I think it'll be something that, that might happen. I'm just not sure if they'll be the ones who will make it happen. Yeah, what I like about it is, obviously, the implications for covering areas that are underserved presently. And yeah, to your point, typically, uh, narrowband IoT doesn't take advantage of latency. But there are some interesting sort of sustainability-oriented use cases when you look at what LoRaWAN and the Alliance is trying to, to drive. But I just thought it was interesting because it's uniquely focused on narrowband IoT. But let's move to your first topic. And you want to talk about T-Mobile. And I caught this announcement this week. You want to talk about an announcement that they made with carrier aggregation. Yeah, so this isn't a necessarily a very deep topic. We've got more, and I'll even say... As a supplement, I've got something more to say. T-Mobile demonstrated 2X carrier up, uplink aggregation on a commercial 5G standalone network, which is different from what AT&T announced two weeks ago, which was done in a lab. And I think that's good to know that like AT&T has this capability, but it's not in a commercial network. T-Mobile has this capability and it's in a commercial network. Both companies are doing this. It makes total sense when you think about how many applications and what kind of content requires uplink. And I think demand for uplink will always grow. And most likely there will be a lot of users using uplink 
when they're trying to improve their coverage because the uplink is what determines their coverage and having 2x uplink can improve your coverage even further. Making that robust uplink is really valuable. And then another network announcement that I didn't include in our script and I just thought about just now is the coronation is happening in the UK today uh, of the new king. And I was like, I wonder if they treat this like the Super Bowl and a bunch of carriers are going to come out and say, how we're preparing for the coronation. And lo and behold, I checked. (laughs) You did. It says Vodafone UK and ITN to broadcast coronation using 5G standalone. And then I see other articles basically saying the same thing, that Vodafone sets up its 5G network for slicing for the coronation. And then another article says Vodafone enables ITN and coronation TV coverage with 5G network slice. So clearly Vodafone is enabling ITN to stream the coronation over a 5G network slice, which is still, I think, relevant. Um, I don't necessarily think it's crazy or something insane, but it's really interesting to see that the carriers are taking advantage of the coronation and how many people are going to be there and how many people are going to be watching to use as a marketing opportunity for 5G. Yeah. I want to throw that out there. might not be relevant to a lot of people. Personally, I don't even really care that much about the coronation or the monarchy, but I still think it's important enough to enough people that I think it'd be cool to cover and see what the operators are going to do in the UK. Yeah, I think it's relevant, obviously, for the United Kingdom. And I do recall that there was some conversation around 5G coverage associated with, unfortunately, the Queen's funeral and her passing. But yeah, you know what? It's a relevant use case for for that part of the world. But let's jump to my second topic this week. And I want to talk about Ericsson. And there was an announcement that came out about a week ago that they're partnering with the Canadian government to drive innovation and 5G. And as I dug into it, I think it could be a model for other regions. So it's actually a pretty significant investment. It's nearly half a billion Canadian dollars. And the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is is focused on this. And it really centers around three R&D centers that, that Ericsson operates within Canada. And the whole idea is to create a test bed to bring companies together where things like 5G Advance, 6G, Cloud RAN, core network infrastructure and quantum computing, as well as AI, bring those experts into one area and provide a fertile ground for collaboration. And that's not unlike what we've seen some of the carriers in the U.S. do with their innovation centers. AT&T has its labs. T-Mobile has its, its innovation centers, and certainly Verizon does that as well. But I think it's an interesting sort of public-private partnership. And we see a lot of that in the U.S. with academia. There, there have been some, I think from my perspective, what I've seen the U.S. government do is just really create these, these edicts and these frameworks to, to follow but the funding hasn't been significant enough to do that. But I think there's more that can be done because certainly in the U.S., and I think China probably maintains the same position, 5G can become a competitive advantage, certainly within the enterprise and certainly within applications like manufacturing automation. But I don't know if you caught the news or if you have any thoughts on the subject, but would love to hear your perspective. I did, I did hear some things, well, I saw some things, but I didn't really delve deeply into it. But I think that Every government should be looking for ways to collaborate with infrastructure vendors to accelerate the deployment of 5G, because I really do think that we're going to see 5G accelerate people's transformation economically, whether they're transforming from a 
labor to a service economy or from a service economy to a manufacturing economy or from a manufacturing economy to a service economy. I think there's going to be lots of abilities to increase velocity of money and work. I just think that there's a lot of things that we don't really realize yet that 5G is going to be enabling. Yeah. And I think the key is to have the networks in place. So when people do think of the applications, they're ready. And I think if we take too long, it'll become a 6G promise instead of a 5G promise. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think what'll be interesting, because you and I have been talking about this. We, You and I were actually together in Austin for a media tech event. And as analysts, we all have to get together and pontificate and predict where we think things are headed. But I think one of the things that we, that several of us talked about at that event was like, when do we get to the true promise of 5G? When do we see, at least in the US, that that Verizon and AT&T catch up with standalone? And I, I mentioned, I thought that based on their, their progress with building out their C-band assets, that by fourth quarter, first quarter of next year, we could be in a situation where in the US, we've got standalone 5G deployments across the board. That really unlocks a true promise of 5G. And that's where I think that the innovation will really happen. And if the US were to replicate a sort of a similar program to what we're seeing in Canada with Ericsson, and certainly Ericsson has R&D centers in the US. They have a big one in Texas, north of Austin in Richardson or Plano. I think that could really accelerate things, but it'll be interesting to see like what results from this partnership with Ericsson and the Canadian government. Let's move to your second topic. And oh my God, are we going to talk about the 5G altimeter issue again? <laughs> so yes, we are. <laughs> Basically what it is, the reason for this time, and I really feel like I'm reading some of these headlines and it really feels the press are taking the side of the airlines because I think they have better PR. But basically what's happening is Pete Buttigieg, who's the Secretary of Transportation, basically confirmed that the July 1st deadline to get the altimeters upgraded is a hard deadline and will not be pushed back. And of course, the airlines are once again complaining and they are using their trade groups like the IATA, which is the International Air Transport Association, to say things like, supply chain issues make it unlikely that all aircraft can be upgraded by the July 1st deadline threatening operational disruptions during the peak northern summer travel season. So mm. what I see what I'm reading here is that the airlines are looking for an opportunity to take planes off of the runway so that they can drive up prices uh, during the summer travel season because, oh, <laughs> we can't upgrade all the altimeters and they can't fly if they're not upgraded in time. So yeah. this almost feels like they're looking for an out to be able to cut how many planes they have going, which will then, of course, reduce the number of flights available, which then drive up costs per seat, which then increase their profitability. Yeah. To me, this just seems like another money grab by the airlines. It's really interesting that they also quoted a $638 million cost to do these upgrades, mm -hmm. which I don't recall that number being thrown out anytime recently. No. And I also don't think that money was ever, money was an issue. I think we agreed early when they saw that $90 billion figure or whatever the total was that everybody paid in, in aggregate. But what's interesting is the UK's Civil Aviation Authority said there have been no confirmed instances where 5G interference resulted in aircraft system malfunction or unexpected behavior. Yes. So I think we've gotten to the point where the airlines continue to bring up I don't know, catastrophic scenarios, whether that's catastrophic travel issues 
or catastrophic plane crashes. Um, it seems like the airlines have really not done themselves a favor here in terms of being honest about the issue and just constantly trying to approach the most, I don't know, drastic outcome that's possible as a result of this issue. I, I just want to re reiterate, there's still a good 200 megahertz between what the airlines are using yeah. where C-band is. Exactly, man. And and I don't want to get political, but from my perspective, this also highlights what I believe is, and I don't want, I'm going to call a spade a spade, the incompetence of the Department of Transportation in understanding technology in general. And their leader is someone that before he took that position was a mayor of a small town. And, and clearly you can say that, hey, even looking back at prior administrations, when you look at, for example, the Facebook hearings, and like we've talked about that on prior podcasts, I mean, our legislators that we've elected don't understand technology. And so they're knee-jerking based on their constituencies. And clearly the Department of Transportation and the Federal Communications Commission, they still continue to not communicate well on this subject. And it's, yeah, and so the airlines are going are gonna to use it to their benefit. So it's not surprising to see this, but... Man, just when we thought that this issue had had died, it's, it continues to rear its ugly head. We'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that my flights don't get delayed this summer because I've got a few scheduled. But let's move to my third and final topic. And uh, this is tongue-in-cheek, but this happened a couple of weeks ago as well because I've been on vacation and we missed a podcast there. But the FCC actually made an official announcement launching the Space Bureau and I just, I love it. It reminds me of that movie, was it called Galaxy Quest? Or it's just, it's interesting, but all kidding aside, with, we were just talking about Leo and Satellite OT, or however I pronounce that, that company, there, there is becoming a space race here. And there are a lot of companies that are jumping in to low earth orbit. And, and yeah, there needs to be some regulation here. So I, I think it's, it's a long time coming. And the charter for Space Bureau will be to manage all of all of this, all of the requests, and just to ensure that things are done safely and, and correctly. So I don't know if you caught the announcement, but what's your take on it? I did not catch the announcement, but I do think it's interesting that we created a Space Force before we had a regulatory yeah. agency. In right. Well, this is part of the FCC, so it's communication. Right. But yeah. It's still part of, yeah, it's still part of an existing structure, but it's a right. new branch. Just like the Space Force isn't really a new branch of the right. military. It's just uh, part of the, Air Force. the Air Force and went space, space Force. But yeah, I don't really, I'm interested to see what happens. Hopefully they definitely get people involved that are knowledgeable about the area, the industry and what the future will hold. So hopefully they're able to recruit people that will help guide regulation in the right direction. Yeah. And hopefully they're going to go recruit from the Hughes, you know, these companies that have been in the the satellite exactly for a long time and put some acumen into the ranks there. But we're on a, we're on a roll here. So we're at your third and final topic and it is earning season. And you want to talk about Apple. I mentioned MediaTek earlier and Qualcomm. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I think earnings was this week. It was interesting because there was a quite clear pullback on growth for all three companies. Yeah. If you look at Apple, you know, their revenue was the most resilient. I think if you look at what they were able to post, they still beat expectations and they actually had better iPhone sales than expected, which is actually a great thing for them. 
But if you look at like Qualcomm and MediaTek, who are the suppliers of most of Apple's competitors, they're down double digits in terms of revenue. And both MediaTek and Qualcomm had significant hits to their smartphone businesses. And they've already actually taken hits, but the hits keep coming. Um, And as a result, their revenue is down quite a bit. I actually commented on both Qualcomm and MediaTek earnings. But overall, I think when you look at what's going on with the market, it's clear that the smartphone business is still retracting from its peak during the pandemic growing. But I think that we'll probably see some kind of a rebound in the second half of the year. Unfortunately, Q2 will also probably be bad. Um, But I think Q2 will most likely be the bottom, especially as people with first generation 5G phones start to upgrade because we are in 2023. And most people didn't really get 5G phones until 2021 or even late 2020. So I think we're in a new upgrade cycle. But yeah, it's been interesting. MediaTek's revenue was down like 30%. Their profit was down 50%. Uh, And Qualcomm was down double digits as well. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the greatest earnings season, I think, for these big chip vendors. But Qualcomm saw a 17% decline. But part of the reason why they only saw a 17% decline because their auto business was up 20%. A lot of these companies are diversifying. Tech and Qualcomm both are very diverse now. Um, So the smartphone business hits them a lot less hard than I think it would have been maybe five years ago. But nonetheless, it's really interesting to see where the market's at today and that smartphones are smartphones, whether they're 5G or not, and volumes are down. They're not, they're down quite a bit for some companies, but overall, I think both Qualcomm and MediaTek have a very long-term vision for what they want to accomplish with 5G. And this is just a, a small bump in the road along the way for them. And I think the market will probably recover by the end of the year. Well, I think so too. And Apple's Apple, so I'm not worried about Apple. I, I was really impressed with what MediaTek is doing to focus on the enterprise. We were at the, the summit together and more to come here, but they have designs on enterprise networking and working with those infrastructure providers of an untapped market for them. And so I think it's a short-term aberration here, but I think there's tremendous upside for them in the future. But hey, buddy, we were really efficient this week. Another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners on this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide us insights for a future 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Willtown Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe. Subscribe.